everybody, it's He Yang. Roundtable is thrilled to launch the UniTalk Challenge, Rising Stars of Roundtable. If you like the show and enjoy our discussions, why not take the stage yourself? Calling all university students, both undergraduates and postgrads, to engage in an English discussion on a topic that ignites your passion. Record your discussion, which consists more than one person, and send it to us at ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. You could be the next rising star of Roundtable. An incredible opportunity awaits, so seize the moment. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Li Yi in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. Coming up, the recent news of an unleashed Rottweiler dog attacked a toddler has prompted local authorities to tighten regulations on owning oversized dogs and promote responsible pet ownership to help dogs behave better. A new generation of pet parents is sending their furry friends to school for training. How can we better control pet dogs in public? Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcasts. And please keep sending us your comments, thoughts, and questions to EZFM, roundtable at foxmail.com. Your voice could be featured in the show in our Heart to Heart segment coming up next. What does it take to correct pet behavior? According to Global Times, the owner of an off-leash Rottweiler dog that mauled a two-year-old girl has been placed under criminal detention in Chengzhou, a county-level city in Chengdu, southwest China's Sichuan province. The girl suffered multiple injuries all over her body, contusions and lacerations to the right kidney and fractured ribs. Following the incident on October the 16th, regulators have doubled down on its oversized dog ban and say that they will continue to promote civilized pet ownership. In a bid to better educate dogs, more pet owners, or shall I say parents, enroll their furry friends to school for behavior correction. And owners of cats can follow a certain behavioral correction manual at home to better regulate feline behavior. So in light of such unfortunate incident of dog attack, the issue of animal control and public safety is back into the public eye. To avoid such tragedies from happening again, what do you think needs to be done here? Well, I think definitely there has been like a lot of discussions about what is responsible pet ownership in recent days. And also when you're looking at several cities across China, they're already strengthening regulations um, about their dog management policies. Definitely, I think people are doing better in the future, will be doing better in the future. And I think the very important thing is that actually many pet owners, they don't really realize they can do more to regulate behavior of their pets and also the way to become a responsible pet owner. I think that's a very central topic of discussion mm-hmm. uh, when you look at the incident and of course the relevant media reports. Um, 
Yeah, I think as people discuss, always dogs and and cats, they are always innocent and they are also global citizen living on this earth. So as pet owners, I think we should really be responsible of uh, either regulating their behaviors to make sure they are living safely and happily on the planet, and also especially when you are living in big cities, not really in rural areas where、um, population is 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 bigger, and of course the place is 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 denser.、Mm. So of course we need particular attention, you know, about、uh, pet behaviors. So that's why I think a lot of pet owners they are. Uh, sending their pets to pet training schools to、mm. better regulate the behaviors of their dog or cat.、Yeah. I think that is a very good sign right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, in the UK, there are also regulation of,、uh, let's say,、um, dogs should be kept on leash when they're being walked, you know, in the cities as such.、Um, yeah. What are your Thoughts on you know how to keep this you know public space safe for humans and animals in this sense when we're talking about like cities and these kind of settings. Well, I would also like to prelude with what I'm about to say by saying that I'm a dog lover as well.、Um, I was brought up with dogs. I wasn't brought up by dogs. I mean, I was brought up. You know, there were dogs always around from when I was a young boy. Um, I know you could probably assume the latter might be true, as the other might, thing might be true as well. But、um, yeah, and in the UK, I think it's quite well known that we are a real dog-loving country. Now we also have very strict regulations in my own country, and I think that that is really necessary. And as much as I believe that often a dangerous dog is the result of now,、um, there are breeds that are banned, and I think that probably it is right that they are they are banned because they are. Um, more prone to attacking humans, and therefore are dangerous.、Mm. And I, I, I stand behind that, to be honest.、Um, but even though I think a lot of dogs become dangerous because of maltreatment, in the same way that any human may become violent because they've had a traumatic past, right? Something has pushed them in this way. So、um, any dog can be dangerous. Actually, it's not just one of these breeds that might be banned in. Your respective country, any dog can be dangerous to a human, depending on how it's been treated. I think that it's really important to have strict regulations about where dogs can go. I believe that not everybody, not anybody, should be allowed to have a dog, and I think that's a bit controversial. But I think that if you're going to have a dog, I think that the people that breed the dogs、um, should be regulated, and I th- also think that you should maybe be checked out by an expert. And they they verify that you're allowed to have that animal,、hmm. um, just as you would if you were to adopt a human. Because if you don't have a dog, if you don't bring a dog up in a safe, happy environment, that dog could potentially become dangerous. It could become an angry dog,、um, and that is also going to harm other people. So it's a tricky one because I really do love dogs, and I think that they benefit society. I do having safe domestic dogs. Um, but yeah, strict regulation, much stricter for everybody, and that also helps the dog owners that do take care of their dogs because they better know, for example, where they're allowed to walk their dog, what where their dogs are going to be safe as well, where their dogs are gonna, you know, have room to run around, where they are allowed to take their dog off the leash, where they're not allowed, things like this. Yes, and、uh, on top of that, I think it's also strict enforcement. 
of the rules and regulations in place um, when we review this tragic incident um, here, case in point, the particular breed of dog, Rottweiler, is not allowed mm. in that city or in that region. Um, but the owner somehow still was raising that dog as a pet. And for that dog to go on unleashed, that's not according to the regulation either. And um, so in this incident, you can see that the owner holds responsibility and it's just terrible to see this kind of news, which alarms a lot of people. And some would argue that sometimes um, in face of such news, people get nervous and therefore overreact or react in a way that misses the point. And as we are seeing that nowadays, there's a huge public outcry um, for animal rights when it comes to stray dogs, because some of the cities are reacting in a way that um, that could harm the welfare of stray dogs who don't have owners and that's also something we don't want to see because when it comes to animal welfare this is something many people in china take close to heart as well and um this comes back to also one point i i feel we need to accentuate every time on the subject that is adopt rather than purchase when it comes to pets and animals and also follow your city's regulation um it's really um important to you know for the well-being of humans and animals since we're sharing this space together and there are some responsible pet owners of a large number of them out there who say that this is uh, kind of similar to maybe like raising kids, you know, because um, a lot of owners don't really have the, should I say, professional knowledge of raising animals and therefore um, sending your dog to a school could be a good idea. So could you explain to us what is being taught in these schools? What are they set to do? Well, there could be like private dog training classes and also some group dog training classes happening at these pet schools. And uh, basically, the idea is to 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 teach what is the correct and appropriate behaviors to dogs and of course to uh, to pets in general and also to cultivate uh, things like socialization and also to give some basic training uh, to pets for example for private dog training classes there could be um there could be one and one sessions with a dog trainer where you and your dog are the only students and uh, that can be done in your home or at a training facility if your trainer has a physical business location and um, and also for group dog training classes they can be regularly scheduled uh, training sessions with multiple dogs and their owners with one dog training instructor per class and in some classes there will also be assistant trainers who assist the head trainer and help uh, students and also it could just follow a set curriculum based on the specific type and the level of the dog training classes um 
So, for example, there could be different dog training classes like puppy socialization and playgroup,、uh, basic obedience, intermediate and advanced obedience, and also、uh, growly dog or reactive rover、uh, can also receive relevant training here. Of course, there will be dog sports to really make sure your dog. Get enough exercise and and also do relevant physical trainings. So this is basically what training school has been doing. And I think especially nowadays when you're seeing more younger pet owners, they are much more willing to send their pets to these schools、mm-hmm. because they're, I think, better aware of the importance of you know providing appropriate training to pet to be a really responsible pet owner. I think so.、Um, I mean, being a responsible pet owner, there's so many different. Aspects to this, as you guys have mentioned, and I think that there's also we got to remember that different people have different values and different customs and very different cultures when it comes to domesticated animals and what domesticated animals should be doing and where they should be living and how they should be acting. I, I have a lot of cousins from Australia and they're from the outback, and when they came over to the UK, some of them were even surprised that we let the dog in the house. You know. They were like, "That's a that's an outside animal." They couldn't believe that it was in the house, and it's just an example of, you know, and their dogs aren't dangerous when they're out in the outback there, because that's their purpose. The dogs are very happy out there. In fact, one might even make the case that the dogs are happier having that space to run around and actually having jobs to do and stuff like that. So, I, I don't know. It, it it is really complex, and I think that it's it's also quite dependent on the environmental context that we're in as well. Is the dog in a city? Are there enough green spaces? Should dogs be allowed in certain cities? In should we have regulations for the size of dog and type of dog you're allowed in particular types of cities? I mean, whatever results in a happier and healthier life for the dog, I think, and、mm-hmm. and a safer environment for everybody. And there are existing regulations of you know the size of the dogs, the breeds of the dogs that are allowed in cities in China. But it varies location to location, so that's why I say it's important for、um, any responsible citizen to check this information out before、um, getting a dog, and also to echo what Josh you just said. And、um, I don't know if this is controversial at all what I'm saying, but I, I I truly believe it. That okay, this is only for one person. All right, if you truly love a dog, don't own it. I read this article on the Atlantic, and it did this study. Apparently, in the U.S., it's some percentage as high as like half of the domesticated dog population in that country apparently are depressed. So, as a dog lover myself, I just feel I don't want to put a living being in that little apartment that I live in because、um, I don't think it's gonna be happy. Anyhow, just a thought there, and、um, it's interesting that Josh you mentioned values because I do think for pet owners the values vary a great deal. Do you think there needs to be a little bit more of raising awareness that has to happen here? I think definitely we need to raise awareness of. How to become a responsible pet owner, and I think it's not only for the sake of people living in cities or in rural areas.、Uh, it's also for the sake of the benefits of the pets, because when you are thinking about the way you raise your pets, it could also 
maybe if you don't really treat them or train them in an appropriate way, it could just lead to certain behaviors which could be dangerous for the pets themselves, especially when they're living in the cities. And、uh, things like this happen.、Uh, we're discussing in the news, which is definitely tragedy for the little girl. So yeah, I think awareness is definitely something we need to raise in the future. Well, I I think that the ultimate answer is that you have to be incredibly responsible, and you have to really consider the longevity that goes into taking care of an animal, and that that animal is alive, and that it's going to need a lot of care, and that it can also affect other people's lives. And as much as it can bring a lot of happiness to people's lives. If it's not cared for in the right way, it can become very miserable itself, and also cause a lot of misery to other people、um, in so many ways. And so, I think that people need to be aware of this. And I also think that the dog breeding industry—we didn't really get into that so much—but I also think that they bear a huge responsibility as well. And I think that that needs to be highly regulated. And I, I would encourage people also to, you know, consider at least looking at. Adoption options, or at least looking into that industry and looking at the amazing work that a lot of people do in rescuing animals. And、um, by no means am I saying that you should necessarily adopt an animal, but I think that it's important to be aware of the industry as a whole before you decide to take that step to、um, get an animal. Coming up next, quirky profile pictures on messaging apps can show some dark. Work moods. How to best use these little squares of photos to actively discourage communication without upsetting your employer? Stay tuned to find out more on this. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Li Yi in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. While the past saw a careful selection of attractive profile images on social networking apps, a new trend has emerged, characterized by images that actively discourage communication. These profile pics often boast a rough aesthetic, saturated with an aura of unreliability, serving as a covert message to employers and superiors: "Do not initiate conversation, nor approach me with additional tasks." <laughs> <laughs> so, what do these quirky profile photos look like? Well, I think.、Um It can be quite interesting, actually. <laughs> it can be a like squished face or a cartoon character that seems really dumb, or like a monkey that really look wild and puzzled. But I think、um, overall, I think they are not really good looking pictures. And、uh, when you look at those profile photo of this person, you might just begin to you know, express concerns about their mental state. <laughs> are you okay right now? What's going、mm. on? You know those kind of. Profile photos, and I think that's quite interesting because it just reminds me of the time that we used the QQ when I was still in my primary school. And at that time, 
we actually we didn't have a lot of choice of profile photos at the very first time of using QQ. They were like a limited selection mm. of uh, you know photos given by QQ. I mean the, the company. So at that time, you just carefully select your profile photo. Actually, you may be selecting a very cute animal face or a very beautiful lady's face or a handsome boy's face. Um, the purpose is really to encourage. Communication, conversation with your friends or your schoolmates, because you want to use this profile photo, maybe to present who you are and also to overall deliver a positive message to the outside world. So it's really positive, I would say. But nowadays, you see those young people, especially they are still selecting those profile photo in a very careful way. However, the purpose is really to discourage communication. It's really to. Express certain negative signal to the outside world, and more importantly, more people are really using this as a silent protest at the workplace to tell you know to let their managers know they are really burning out. However, they might just be you know really uncomfortable of saying no or saying it loud in real life, or they find out even though they are saying no, it doesn't really help anyway. So they are just turning to this kind of profile tactic. To send out this message, yeah, my favorite one is a cute monkey, but looking very puzzled with super messy hair. So, yeah,、uh, some people say that you know the key here is、um, having very un- unfocused eye contact in the、um, in the profile pic, and also giving out vibes of、uh, irascible. So. This person could go nuts at any minute, but there's also a subtle caveat here. That is, you want to show that you're not in like the the best mood, but also you don't want to give away signals that you're completely nuts, that you're untrustworthy. So it's almost like there is. A bit of a balance there, so it can't be completely off-putting, Josh. Do you get the <laughs> gist of this? <laughs> sort of. I mean, it's definitely something that I'm still trying to understand myself because it's way more common in China than it is in my own country to have these kind of profile pictures. Most people have a picture of themselves,、uh, so that's a, a different. Ball game entirely, and it's really interesting though. And I think that it is really powerful. I think that it is important to get it right. You can really send a message with it, and it's so interesting to hear about this. And I guess that you do want to just get that sweet spot, don't you? Where it's like, don't bother me. I'm a serious person. I take my work seriously, but I also I'm a busy person. I've got things going on,、um, and you know, I'm not. Really, really mean, or something like this. Like I have a sense of humor as well, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm above average intelligence. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You just、uh, made it even more difficult <laughs> <laughs> to find the perfect profile pic to encapsulate all of that. <laughs> <laughs> But also, this might show a little bit of a cultural difference or app usage difference here. That is in China, everything of communication. Goes on WeChat,、mm-hmm. and then that's so annoying. You can't separate work and private. <sighs> yeah, but、uh, in some of the other countries where you know for work there's one app and for 
chatting with friends and people in your personal life, there's another communication app. So, so yeah, we're kind of stuck here. And therefore, I think the users have devised some really intricate, kind of smart, kind of passive aggressive ways to deal with this reality. Yeah, I think um, that's a very interesting observation, actually. Uh, when you look at those maybe companies or cultures that encourage communication in specialized platforms, say emails, or they have specialized working apps, I guess um, frequently or more commonly, people will just only present a very professional image on those platforms because you know those platforms are only for working. It's only for being professional and uh, dealing with everything related to work and it's not really about your personal life. However, yeah, I think nowadays we are basically, you know, communicating everything on WeChat, which is a very, also very frequent, uh, common personal social media message app for us. So it's kind of like people are mingling with everything. On the one hand, we are handling work, but on the other hand, this platform is also the place where we can present and uh, show our personal feelings is also about personal life. So maybe that just also give opportunity for people to express the real version of themselves a little bit by changing such profile photos, I guess. Yeah. So the profile pics really give away a lot about one's mood, state of mind, personality. But of course, it's not the sole source to judge what this person is like. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank you so much, Li Yi and Josh Cotterell for joining the discussion. I'm He Young. We'll see you next time.